Our word today comes from Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 through 16. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the minds of Pharaoh and his officials were changed toward the people. And they said, what have we done, letting Israel leave our service? So he had his chariot made ready, and he took 600 picked chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out boldly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his chariot drivers and his army. They overtook them, camped by the sea, by Pi-Hiaroth, in front of Baal-Sephon. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. But you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys ready for a quiz? You've been studying up, right? Okay. Well, let's just see. Um, if you're paying attention to Pastor Leanne, uh, her children's message, you'll get this one. In what form did God lead the people to choose all that apply, a pillar of cloud by day, a rider on a white stallion, a flock of birds, or a pillar of fire by night? A and D, you say. Oh, you are right. A and D, pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. What was that fine, flaky food called that fed the Israelites daily for 40 years in the wilderness? Was it sourdough bread, manna, leaven, or magic dust? B, you say. You're right. B, manna. Literally, manna means, what is it? Because that's what they said when they saw this flying, flaky food. What do we call those primary laws that were given to Moses by God on Mount Sinai? Were they the Ten Suggestions? The Ten Guidelines, the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Steps to Health and Wealth. See, you say, oh, very good. I hope you're doing as well at home as these guys are inside. Finally, while Moses was up on the mountain with God, what did his brother Aaron make for the people? Was it a golden calf or breakfast or the tabernacle or a map of the wilderness? It was A. Yes, it was. And what? He was the calf maker. He, calf maker. he said, I threw in the gold and out came a calf. Um, he acted as though he had no idea how that happened. You did a great job. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, Lord, as your word has now been read and as it is proclaimed, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your words for us today. Speak through my words or speak in spite of my words, but God, we need a word from you today. 
And may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I heard the story of a little eight-year-old boy who was in Sunday school class, and when he got home from Sunday school, he could not wait to tell his parents about what he had learned that day. He was like, let me tell you what I learned. You see, there were these people. They were called the Hebrews, and they were slaves in this place called Egypt. Well, Moses formed a resistance. And after organizing and planning and thinking, they made their break for it. And off they ran from the land of Egypt, and they took everything that they could find. They were on four-wheelers and jeeps and pickups, and they were hauling themselves out of there as fast as they could go. And, and all was going well. And then Pharaoh and his army started chasing them. And they were chasing them with tanks and big vehicles, and they were shooting missiles at them. And as they were running away, they came, and they got stopped right at a sea. And, and they saw this raging water in front of them, and they saw the army coming behind them, and they thought they were done for until the Army Corps of Engineers came, and they built a pontoon bridge over the sea, and all the people crossed over the sea on this pontoon bridge, and as Pharaoh and his army got there, you know what, as, just as they got there, they blew it up with dynamite. And then they went to Canaan and lived happily ever after. And the parents looked at this child. They said, seriously, is that what Pastor Leanne is teaching you in Sunday school these days? And the little boy said, well, maybe not exactly, but if I told you the real story, you would never believe it. This story of the exodus of the crossing of the Red Sea is a pivotal moment in the life of the Hebrews of Israel. You see, the crossing of the Red Sea is to them what Easter is to Christians. It's that definitive salvation moment in the life of their nation where God stepped in and intervened and saved them from a real foe. All of their history is viewed through that event. You remember how this story started, how 70 people, Jacob's family, or who were invited to go into Egypt in over 430 years, it grew to, the scriptures say, 600,000 men plus women and children and herds, so about a million people, and that's who left. They didn't leave until they had the plagues, and Pharaoh finally said, go, and not only go, but here, take everything with you that you need. Take all these treasures, all this gold and silver and fabric. Um, who could have known they would need that later on when they got the instructions to build the tabernacle? They sent all this after the final plague, the plague of the death of the firstborn, in which the Hebrews were spared that by sacrificing a lamb with no blemish and taking the blood and putting it on their doorpost, in which the angel of death passed over um, their families during this final plague. But now, now they're standing with the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army closing in on them. A 
and the people could only see two choices, and neither choice was good. Go into the sea and drown there, or be killed or captured by a very angry army that's coming up behind them. It was what Susan Beaumont calls a liminal moment. It's a moment of living in between times. Their past, it's gone. And their future is not just unknown, but it is unknowable. And the skills that they had developed for coping with life in the past, their, their brick-laying skills, their ability to, to do what they were told to do by the Egyptians as slaves, it would not work. Those skills wouldn't work in their coming future. They were in this in-between time, and they were filled with fear. And you see, fear always keeps you from seeing any other choices. You get a sense of tunnel vision when, you, when you're filled with fear. And you can only really see the worst possible scenario. And then, of course, in those in-between times of high anxiety, the Scripture tells us it happened with the Hebrews, and we see it too, the complaining and the blame game begins, right? They say, if only you hadn't brought us out here to die in by, right by the sea. What is it that they should do? Well, for sure, it is no time for them to lose their nerve. And so here's what Moses says to them. First, he says, do not be afraid. Now, if you study your Bible very much, you're going to see that that gets repeated a lot in the Bible. Do not be afraid. It's told to these folks as they stand right there at the Red Sea. It'll be told to Joshua as he gets ready to cross over into the Promised Land um, and, and help the people inhabit it. It's told to Mary when she's visited by the angel to let her know she's going to have the Messiah. The first thing is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then it is stand firm, be still, and see what God is doing. And then God says, go forward, move forward. You see, God had plans that they didn't know about, that they couldn't have known about. Like, like the little boy's story, it was too fantastic for them to even conceive. But these next 40 years that they would live, 40-plus years really, would be in this liminal time, this in-between time, this time between their lives as enslaved people in Egypt and being formed into a nation. And they had a lot to learn, especially a lot to learn about trusting God. When I was preparing for this sermon, I don't know why my brain went there, but it did. And so I ch looked up this old children's song. Um, it's called, you've heard it, right? Going on a bear hunt, going on a bear hunt. Got my binoculars. I'm not afraid. And then there's a series of obstacles, right? And each time they get to an obstacle, it's like, can't go over it. Can't go under it. We got to go through it. And that's where they found themselves. These liminal times, there's no way over or under them you go through them. And we live in those, we know what those liminal times are, those in-between times. 
um, when what you knew about how to get along in the past is gone, those skills don't help you, and you've got to learn a future that you really don't know, even what you don't know. Having your first child, <laughs> that's that time. Having one of your children graduate and leave home. Empty nesting. The loss of a parent. The loss of a child. The loss of a spouse. Receiving a really scary medical diagnosis. And even retirement. Though you plan for it, it's still all of those are those moments that you you're frozen. It's in between what was and what will be. And each of these can be so filled with fear. And you don't know exactly how to navigate through them. Because you can't go over them. <laughs> you can't go under them. You got to go through them. And you know that there is something new on the other side. And that something new is going to require skills that you do not yet have. And what was true for the Israelites standing there at the Red Sea is true for us. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. Be still. Look to see what God is going to do and then go forward. I love a contemporary Christian song called Fear is a Liar. I love it because it reminds us that, that when we are filled with fear, all we can see is what is not possible. And so we need to hear those words, do not be afraid. And then following those words are be still, stand firm, look and see, what God is doing. Trust that God will meet you right in the midst of this. And, and this is such an important time when we're going through those, those moments of change, uh, those passages that we go through, um, because we need time to be still. We need to take whatever time it takes to ponder and to pray and grieve and to wonder and reflect. And then we listen. We listen for that still, small voice, and we know and trust that this phase is important because it's at a crossroads. And crossroads of life are like it's at a railroad crossroad, right? You need to stop, you need to look, and you need to listen. Because there are a lot of creative options right in that space. If you're, if you're willing to face your fear, to be still and to stand firm in your faith and watch for what God is doing, and then you go forward. Because the thing is with these kind of times, backwards is never an option. The new is what is out in front of you and the past is gone. This whole pandemic that we are living in, this is a liminal time. This is one of those in-between times. Um, how things were back in January, February, right? That, 
Those seem so long ago, and we're living in the midst of a time that we don't really know all the skills that we need to do well in this. It's changed how we gather, how we educate, how we work even. And certainly, just like the Hebrews there standing by the Red Sea, there has been plenty of blame casting during this time as well. But it's also a great time of learning. Um, and in education, schools and teachers have learned skills they didn't know they had on how to educate both virtually and in person and overcoming these challenges. And, it, and it's been that time for families as you sort out how to, how to do family and work and children in a time that is so different. Um, and certainly in the church, as we've tried to, we've said pivot so many times on staff that, you know, it makes me dizzy to think of how many times we've pivoted to think of um, how we do worship and, and what about our online congregation and, and how things are different um, and how we learn those skills. I have a, a real-life example from our church of, of a young woman in our church who gave me uh, this changed life story. A young mom in our church, her name is Holly. She and her husband, they're both educators, and they have a school-age child and a preschool-age child. And um, they, um, like everyone else, they've had to make decisions about the education of their children. And she began to hear, do not be afraid. And then as she's doing the reading in the, in the grand sweep, and she read the story of how Abraham was called to leave behind his homeland and to go to a place where God would show him, and how he had such trust and bravery in setting out into the unknown. She stood firm, and she waited, and she watched. And then in reading about his boldness, she became braver and heard God telling her to stop working and to be home educating their children during this time to go forward. And she and her husband have done that. And those kind of decisions, they're made by all of you, all of our families, about families and work and education. And they require us to face our fear, to be still, and to watch for what God is doing, and then to move forward in a new way. Certainly, you know as well as I do that our church is in that sort of a liminal or in-between place right now. Due to the pandemic, for sure. Due to the massive cultural shift going on around us that has just been sped up by the pandemic of, of folks moving away from organized religion. Due to technology advances and oh yeah, in the midst of that, there's this pastor change thing that's coming up. It's normal to be afraid. And it really is easy to fall into the blame game and the complaining. This is no time to lose your nerve because this is also a great time of creativity to, to stand firm in our faith 
and to watch to see what God is doing, to get to experiment with, with what it is to do worship in small groups and, and home studies and how do we do all that. It's a great time for experimentation and listening for where God is at work. And then to move forward into a new future. It's not going to be like how it's always been. <laughs> it will be new. But friends, remember that the church itself is God's idea. God formed the church with the power of his Holy Spirit. After Jesus' resurrection, he told his disciples, do not be afraid. <laughs> Wait for power. And then in Matthew 28, right, we read, go and make disciples. Those tasks haven't changed. We just need new skills for a new time. So church, don't be afraid. Give grace to each other. Give grace to your leaders. Give grace to your staff. Give grace to your pastor. Don't be afraid. Stop. Look and listen to where God is at work. And then move forward in faith together. Let us pray. Gracious God, Lord, as we find ourselves in these in-between or liminal spaces, help us to hear your words from so long ago and from today. Help us to not be afraid. Help us to be still and to wait and to listen for you. And then help us, O oh God, to walk boldly into the future where you are waiting. In Christ's name, amen.